And the corridor opened into a vast domed space, the rough living rock of its ceiling dotted with clumps of glowing crystals. Below it, a pool took up the entire cavern, except for the walkway around it, perhaps five paces wide. In the oval shape of an eye, the pool was lined around its rim with a low, flat edging of crystals that glowed with a duller, yet fiercer light than those above. Its surface was as smooth as glass and as clear as the wine spring water. Rand felt as if his eyes could penetrate it forever, but he could not see any bottom to it. The eye of the world, Moraine said softly beside him. Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and someone who's never read the series before read through each of the 14 books in this very long series. A warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapter 47 through the end of The Eye of the World. I have not read anything from The Great Hunt or any of the next books, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of those during our discussion. If you have finished The Eye of the World, then you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to finish it. All right. Last time we got to Faldara, gangs going to the eye of the world. This week, with chapter summaries again from DragonMountain.com, the Emmons Fielders learn that Lan is the uncrowned king of Malkir, a nation swallowed by the Great Light. Moraine interrogates Padden Fane, who admits to being worse than a dark friend. Fane believes the Dark One is free, or almost free, from his prison at Shale Ghoul in the Blight. While Thaldaran's soldiers head north to Tarwin's Gap, Moraine's party slips into the Blight by another way. The plant life there is sickly and dangerous. The animals are worse. Nynaeve bears her heart to Lan, who clearly loves her back, but will not admit it. The terrors of the Blight close in, despite Moraine's channeling. Though they are still miles from where Moraine last found the Eye of the World, it comes to them, changing the land around it. Its guardian, the Green Man, welcomes the party. Moraine leads the party inside a hill to a pool of untainted Sidene. Two strange men follow them down, introducing themselves as Aganor and Balthamel, two of the Forsaken who were once bound at Shale Ghoul with the Dark One. Even Moraine is no match for the two Forsaken. She urges the others not to fight, but they ignore her. The Green Man kills Balthamel, but is mortally wounded. Moraine buys time for the others to flee. Rand runs, pursued by Aganor. They fight over the flow of Sidene from the Eye of the World. Aganor cannot hold it all and bursts into flame. Rand sees in vision the battle of, at Tarwin's Gap, then finds Balzaman and strikes him with a sword made of light. Balzaman is apparently defeated. Rand finds the rest of his friends injured but alive. He realizes what he has done and tells Moraine that he won't be used as a false dragon. Where the Eye of the World once lay, they find the Dragon's Banner, the fabled Horn of Belir, and one of the seven seals for the Dark One's prison, broken. The Blight is silent during their return journey, and Spring, coming two months late, is making up for lost time. Rand decides to leave his friends behind before he goes mad from the taint on Sidene. Moraine believes that the true dragon has been reborn. So, that's book one. Book one down. Yep. It's long. Really long. And there's a whole lot of setup that is not paid off in this book. Yep. There's some some that's set up. There's a lot of talk about the Eye of the World, and we learn about the Eye of the World. Yeah, we did at least find out what the name of the book is. That's true. It's real weird, and nothing like it shows up again. 
Yeah, I'm a little... I have questions about it, but we can get to that. Yeah, because before that, they traveled through the Blight, which, as I mentioned last time, is not a good place. No, honestly... Nothing good happens in this section. No, everything is bad. Everything is bad. The only good thing gets burnt, and that's the green man. The green man's happy, the green man's nice. He's living in an awful place, but he makes a section of it very nice and homey and happy. And he makes flower crowns. Yeah. And... But then one of the Forsaken burns him. Yeah. Literally. So bad. Yeah. None of it's good. One of the things we first realize when walking through is uh, they walk through what is essentially Land's homeland. Yeah, so they, yeah, they get through what yeah. is Land's homeland, but it has been turned into the Blight. Yeah, it's the Blight has overgrown it. Because before they even get to the Blight, there's, a, there's still a little bit of this section that is in Faldara, where... Moraine has interrogated Padden Fane, and also while that's happening, they start to learn more about Land's backstory through uh, Lord Egalon. Boys had a rough life. Boys had a very rough life. I feel so bad for Lan. He was taken as a baby and given a sword and proclaimed a diademed battle lord and the next king of the Malkiri. 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 Um, and. Then, and then his parents died. Then his parents died. And they took him and basically trained him from infancy to be a warrior. Yup. And then he tried to save his homeland, but Didn't then work. the Seven Towers got destroyed. And basically Malkir is no more. Malkir is just a people now. It, the the land is the blight. Because they when they camp when they're walking through the blight, they, they camp out at the Seven Towers. Right. And I'm just like, oh, poor land. Hegelmar makes a point to say that before Malkir fell, Shinar, the country that Faldar is in, was basically sort of borderlands. Like, they were they were borderlanders, but Malkir was the true border. It was right border up against what? the Blight. Oh, so the Blight just absorbed it. It didn't yeah. become... The Blight was always there. It just right. absorbed Right, the Malkiri. Blight grows. Okay. And so part of what the borderlanders try to do is prevent the Blight from growing. Okay. And they failed. With Malkiri. Right. Okay. Um, Got it. I picture Malkir kind of now as Asgard after Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I can see that. It's people. Yeah. There are a lot of things. Apparently, lots of the Borderlanders are f- descendant from Malkiri people. And so if Lan were to ever raise the banner, the Golden Crane, that was the like flag of Malkir, if, Ran- if Lan were to ever raise the Golden Crane an army would basically instantly form around it. Yeah, he's not going to do that, though. No, because he is dead set on carrying the burden of his dead homeland alone. I know. And only alone. Uh, it's just... Which leads to one of the most devastating lines you've ever heard. Uh, I still can't cope. Yeah, we... Now seems like a pretty good time to talk about that, actually. Okay. I, I have been utterly wrecked by this book. Lan, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Mandragoran. Mandragoran. His full name is Alan Mandragoran. Mandragoran. Has wrecked me. He's dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. You're dead. I'm dead. I have died. So is Nynaeve's love life. Because, okay, like, I, I read romance. I write romance. I have a book blog in which I talk about romance. 
novels. So one could say that I read romance for a living. Yeah. I have not been so utterly wrecked by a line, a romantic line in a book in a very long time. Do share. I have read, I have read... 26 books this year and none of them, and the, have, and none of them have come up close to this line i will hate the man you choose because he is not me and love him if he makes you smile yup i had to put the book down you did for like a few days yeah i couldn't cope i had to go and start reread i had to st- go and continue my reread of red white and royal blue yep. because at least i know that ends happy true you don't know how this ends I at all i don't i just Damn it, Lan. Yeah. It's I a mean, good line. It's a good line, and even even the stuff around it is good. Uh, For context, this is the part where Nynaeve bears her heart to Lan. Basically, Lan and Nynaeve confirmed a ship. Yes. And Nynaeve is apparently, this is through Rand's perspective, so we don't get really all of the context. There's enough, but Nynaeve is, Nynaeve is basically telling Lan that she loves him. Yeah. And Lan is like, one, I'll hate the man you choose. And he's basically saying this because he is, in his mind, sworn to live his life fighting the blight. In the blight, he's probably going to die. He's basically like, I can't marry you and have your only gift at your wedding the future of being a widow. Yeah. No woman deserves the sure knowledge of Widow's Black as her bride piece. You least of all. Right. I've got the page open because I just can't. You can't. I can't. No one can. It's great. It's because Nynaeve starts with some women don't ask for land or gold, just the man. That's good. It's a good line. And then Lan says, and the man who would ask her to accept so little would not be worthy of her. You are a remarkable woman, as beautiful as the sunrise, as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness, wisdom. Land's got game! (laughs) He does. He does. And uh, apparently wants to be involved with Nynaeve, but also doesn't want to. Well, because he doesn't want... He's got a hero complex in this situation. Not an unearned one, though. No, but still, like... Because he's also bonded to Moraine as her warder. And you don't know what the warder bond means yet. I don't know what it means yet. But clearly... It's not, like, a soulmate bond type thing. Because if it was some sort of soulmate bond, he probably wouldn't have even developed feelings for Nynaeve. Right. So it's not it's not that deep of, like, a romantic... It's not, like, a romantic bond, it right. seems to me. But I mean, also, there's clearly, like, a deep friendship between Lan and Moraine. Because yeah. Lan is... As, as much as Lan seems to be into Nynaeve, he is a little bit more, like, tender and caring with Moraine at times. Well, I, but then there's, a, like, a history there. We don't know how long Lan's been hit That's her true. warder. He clearly loves both of them. Yeah, just we in different just, ways. Just in different ways. But I just, when I say he's got a hero complex, it's like, yes, he is a hero. So, like, in theory, yes, he has a hero complex. But specifically with this, he doesn't get to make the decision for Nynaeve whether or not she wants to be with him or not. That's true. And the she, way I read he, it... He can choose whether or not to have her in his life. That's yeah. com- That is completely valid. But he doesn't get to tell her, you don't get to want me. Which is basically what he's telling her in this situation. I always situation. read it as the latter, which is, I can't justify putting you through this. But if she wants to be put through this, then it's not his choice. It is still kind of his choice because he gets to 
he he gets to choose whether or not he wants to inflict that on a loved one. The idea that you could be the one to inflict pain on somebody is also a valid reason to not do something. Yeah, but why sacrifice possible happiness? Like, why sacrifice possible happiness for possible harm? Like, I think because he sees it as certain harm. He does. He sees it as it is certain harm. But also, like, Nynaeve is stubborn as shit, so she's not gonna go and choose someone else now just because Lan told her to. Well, there there is another aspect of this that I think. So they could be happy for a little while until yeah. one of them dies. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was gonna say there's another aspect to it, but I realized that might be minor spoilers, so I'm gonna avoid that. I, I think you're right in a lot of ways. Like, you don't get if someone wants to be with you and like even with the possible harm that might come to the other person i don't know where i'm trying to go like i think it's definitely valid to on a personal level it's valid to not want to cause harm to other people and that can very easily come across as taking away the choice from them but it's still if you think of inflicting harm as a choice it's still valid to not to choose not to inflict harm yeah, Even if they want, but the you're harm. still infi- you're you're inflicting harm either way. Because now Nani's heartbroken. Yeah, and she and, like, and so, she and Egwene have a little bit of a moment. Yeah, that we don't get to see like, what the moment. We is. see what it is. We don't hear what they're talking. We don't about. hear what they're talking about. Um, Egwene does come through with like good girlfriend moment. Yeah, because Nynaeve's like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm thinking in that like filling in the gaps. Nynaeve's like, I don't want to talk about it. No, I'm not going to talk about it. And then Egwene takes the route of doing something to cheer her up. Yeah. Um, Which is a little interesting because this is the really the first time that we've seen Egwene be treated almost as an equal by Nynaeve. Because the whole time it's been Nynaeve versus Moraine in the battle for Egwene's soul. And Egwene's just kind of like been a chess piece. Yeah. But I think in this moment Nynaeve isn't thinking of herself as the wisdom anymore. She's just thinking of herself. Maybe not. She's... Cause she may, she, she's been she's in her head for that moment at least she's just been reduced to a normal girl and yeah, in that well, sense and, I think and in that sense a normal girl just wants a girlfriend yeah and I think part of it also is that she doesn't want to be the wisdom there too either because she makes a point to say wisdoms don't often marry you know she's yeah. like I'd marry for the right man hint hint land <laughs> but. She also, I think, wants to not be herself. She just wants to be a normal girl right. at that point, which is so valid, and it's so... That's why it wrecked me so much. Yeah. I had to put the book down for two there's, days. There's a lot of stuff going on there, on both sides. Lan has some good reasons, because by his backstory, people who are around him don't generally end up all that well. I think what just bothers me about it is... And, like, again, it not bothers me as in, like, I hate the storyline. It's a good storyline. Yeah. Like, I think just... What makes me want, what made me want to scream, and like, well, well, what made me scream and almost throw the book across the room, but I didn't actually throw the book across the room because I don't want to hurt the book. <laughs> it's just that, like, he didn't say, I can't be with you because I'm bonded to Moraine. That would be, that would be a very valid, like, I would like to be with you, but I've ba- I'm basically already married. Right. Sorry, I can't. Even if it's not a romantic thing, it's still like an oath. Yeah. But he's not. He's just, he's trying to make it seem like he's doing her a service, and he's not. Not necessarily. Because if this is what she wants, then let her want. You can't, you can't tell her she can't want you. That's fair. And like I said, I didn't read it as him saying that. I I read it as him saying, here are, here's why I can't do this to you. And he was saying that in order to convince her not to want him. Fair. And it's not going to work because she's stubborn as shit. She is from the two rivers. Yeah. And 
They are basically rocks in human form. They are. He's got stone face. She's got stone personality. Yep. It's a match made in heaven. We learn one fun thing about Rand. Not Rand. Lan. We learn something very interesting about Rand. (laughs) The fun thing about Lan is Agomar basically describes Lan as the best warder, which is to say that he's probably the best living like come like personal combatant right now. Yeah. Like no wonder he fucks things up. Which and I mean it kind of goes with what we've learned about Lan throughout, but there are certain things like I think somewhere in this chapter nine or Moraine tries to stop him from going to do something, and she's like, "Not even you can." Oh, it was the worms when they're <laughs> I have I have things. About I get the chased by worms. They get chased by worms. Big worms. Is this Dune? No. Are they the same type of worm as Dune? <laughs> no. Uh, worms are... A, basically everything in the Blight is some sort of shadow spawn. Worms are a type of shadow spawn. We learn a, a very slight amount more about worms, but basically they're very, very dangerous. And they're not like as big as Dune worms, which are massive beasts, yeah. but they're they're still very deadly. Okay. Cause, yeah. I think they're more like actual just super fucked up genetically made monstrous earthworms because they make because land mentions that basically you have to cut them up into pieces and then burn them right and so and that's the moment i before we tangent to the tan i don't know went on a tangent about worms (laughs) tried to make up a word there and it did not work um so before the worm tangent land is like about to rush off to go defeat the worm and maureen's like not even you can single-handedly take on a worm. Right. Which, well, it's a worm pack. It's multiple worms. He, I, I, would need, I wouldn't be too surprised if he took on one worm, because it's it's land. But it's never just one worm. No. Even, like, if you're just digging around in your garden, you're not just going to find one worm. No. Worms are a group. But I, didn't, I don't think that was his... Moraine did a good job of diverting him, but that was not his goal, was to defeat them. No, he was going to go die. Yeah, he was going to go die. Land's solution to everything is, well, time to go die. Which, logistically, would make him a bad partner. It would, for a lot of reasons. But I don't think Nynaeve cares. No. But yeah, so that just, like, solidifies the, like, Lan is top warder. Yes. There are a handful of people who can match Lan's skill throughout the series. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody can best him for a very specific reason very late in the books. Cool. Thanks for thanks for that. It's awesome. Thanks. There's some awesome I stuff. It. I hate it when you do this to me. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> um, I just want to know. It's like, it's just like, I know a secret that you don't know. It's like, why bother? <laughs> why do you do this? That one was truly an accident. <laughs> I did not intend to do that. But yeah, so... Lan is badass. Lan is badass. He goes off into the blight several times alone and just comes back covered in, like, steaming blood. And cuts. And cuts, which Moraine does heal. Yeah, and Mandarb also holds his own. Yeah, Mandarb continues to be kind of a badass horse. Yep. I my, The picture I have in my head is of the of the horse from Tangled. Yeah, just black. Just black. And a little bit more stubborn. Horse punchy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> can see can see Mandarb doing that. Yeah. But, so, through, through Land's expeditions into the Blight, we learned the Blight is really fucked up. There's some sort of weird Loch Ness monster going on in a lake. Yep. There's the, Well, the lakes that are around the Seven Towers. Yep. They, yeah, so for something called the Stick, that is just a tame name in compared, like, in comparison to like, to tries what? to, like, reach down and eat you. Yeah. 
Like, trees are trying to eat people. There's trees that when you cut them, they have blood that steams. There are trees, there are, there's basically the worst version of the Whomping Willow, which just, like, thrashes around and literally screams. Yep. Weird bear things with hedgehog hair and too many legs. Oh, I missed that one. I think I was freaked out by the trees. The blight's fucked up. I was trying to, I was kind of glossing over the descriptions of all the bad stuff. Uh, that's fair. The blight's fucked up. Yeah, I was not. And was you know who, it. this is in the glossary, so I'm not going to consider it a spoiler. You know who basically made all of those things? Agonor. Cool. Yeah. One of the Good forsaken job, that they fight. The other thing about the blight is that there is just like a stench of decay around it. Enough everything's that, rotting. Everything's rotting. Enough that Matt throws up. Matt seems to be the one of the three that throws up the most. Yeah, because we would... were talking about last section when I thought it was like Perrin who probably threw up at something. Now I'm thinking no, it was Matt. It's Matt. It it's was... definitely Matt. It's 1000% Matt. Perrin um, seems to... Perrin and Lan are the only ones who seem unaffected. Even Maureen looks a little bit green. In Lands, Lands like, Lands trying, not, Rand is trying not to throw up. He sees Egwene and Nynaeve trying their best not to throw up. And then he looks at Lan and Perrin, and they're both like, okay. Which you'd think Perrin would be more effective because because he's got wolf senses. Right. But he's fine. I'm wondering if maybe Perrin isn't as effective because he can, he can identify the smells. Maybe. It's not just straight up bad. Um, and then he says that even Moraine has her lips like right. pursed. She probably has some some sort of extra power induced sense about the place too. Probably. Like Lan Lan but is like, fine because Lan is a badass, but also like he's from the Borderlands and has spent a lot of time in the Blight, so like he's just used to it. Yeah. Perrin is weird. I, I would expect Perrin to have more of a problem than everybody else, but again, maybe it's just he know, he can identify it, and if you can identify it, you can suppress that urge better. Or it could be that he was just channeling some of the wolves and trying to smell better things. I don't know how the wolf bond works, so he could be like yeah. channeling the wolf. and then... Would wolves be in the blight? No, that's what I'm saying. So if he can channel a wolf that's not in the blight, uh, he can okay. smell the things that wolf is smelling. Okay. I don't know how wolf bonding works, so... That's fair. We have a term for that, for what Perrin is. He's wolf. a wolf brother. Which is, is not a, much of a term. No, but it's kind of a fun name. Wolf brother. Wolf brother. Um, in that moment, now that you brought that up. So, yeah, they get through the blight, which is a terrible place. And Rand is about to turn back because he's like, if whatever we're about to go into, even the worms are terrified of, I don't... I won't, I'm going to take my chances yeah. with the worms. Context here. They're running from the worms further into the blight up the mountains because according to Lan and Moraine, the things that are up in the mountains are bad enough that the worms are scared of them and the worms are like semi-immortal killing, killing machines. Yeah, so... Rand rightfully wants to turn back. I understand. Yep. Um, but then they end up in... The Eye of the World. The eye, not the Eye... Well, the Eye of the World is just the pond. They end up in the Green Man's home. And so Rand obviously doesn't turn back. And no. they meet the Green Man. And they instantly feel more at ease. They do. It's something about the Green Man's powers. Um, one makes it like a lush, 
It's like an oasis. Yeah. It's like an oasis in a desert. And it also seems to cut out the taint. Like, the taint. Yeah, Rand was experiencing... It, he was trying to find the flame in the void, which we haven't really talked all that much about the flame in the void, which is kind of a shame because it's a very, very interesting thing that he wrote about. Because the flame in the void is this concept where you are a flame and you put all of your emotions into it. Yeah. And then there's just a void around you. It's like a concentration meditation type technique. Yeah. Rand tries to find the flame in the void. The void. He is the flame. He tries to find the void. But he, like, it, like, hurts. Something about the blight makes that hurt him. Yeah. I think I missed that part, but... And then they get to the green man, and he's just like, okay, this place feels so much better. Yeah. And so they meet the green man, who calls Perrin wolf brother. Yep. And he also calls Rand child of the dragon. Yep. Do you have a question there? I don't have a question. I just... It conf- like that is just the there are three things in this section that confirm a suspicion that I had or started to have. Uh-huh. Which I mean I thought Rand channeled with the lightning. Yeah. And because he's the main character of a novel, if he's the one guy who can channel, he's probably the dragon reborn. Like That's fair. Just we he's don't... literally he's he's the main character of a novel and he's the one guy that can channel. We don't so, necessarily have confirmation that he is the dragon. Reborn. We don't have confirmation, but there are pieces of evidence that confirm the theory in my like that Moraine, just add evidence to the theory. And one of them is the fact that the green man calls him child of the dragon. That's a specific phrase that does not mean what you think it means, but you will find out. Okay. Um because so just like the dragon imagery around Rand, it's like starting There's a lot of it. Um they also, uh, the green man also said something about the first covenant. Yep. With the children of the dragon. What is, mm-hmm. have we heard that before? And I just forgot. Ha- I don't think we've heard that before in this book. Okay. So is there anything you can give me? No. Okay. That one is uh, large amounts of spoilers. It, so this is the first time we've heard it? Yeah. And I just, okay. I'm, I, every time I see a new term, I'm like, have I for- just forgotten what this is? Or <laughs> There's a lot in this book. Because <laughs> there are a few times where it has been that I have just straight up forgotten something yeah and then the green man makes the women flower crowns yeah he's just like strolling through his garden picking up flowers and he apparently has enough to where he makes three flower crowns and doesn't pick two from the same grouping of flowers and makes three full crowns yeah that are like still growing yeah they're like growing into naive's braid i like the green man and it's a shame that he dies I know. I was unsure if he actually died or if he just kind of grooted. I, like, I my... think I choose to read that as he grooted. Because <laughs> that's a word. That's a word now. Um, if you're not understanding what we're talking about, you know, how in Guardians, Groot, like... Becomes like a tree orb. Becomes a tree orb and then looks like he dies, but there's like one little twig left. That's, and so that's he's his, able to like, grow. child. Yeah. That's a different Groot. But it's basically the same Groot. It's basically Groot. the same Groot. Like, because it's got the personality of the original Groot. Yeah. And... Sort of. And Rocket is even, like, you've got the memories of my friend and stuff. Yeah. So, it's like Groot 2.0. But I'm wondering if the Green Man is going to, like, Green Man 2.0. No. 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 That's uh, not really a spoiler if he doesn't come back. He's just gone. He's another one of the weird things about this book. Because there are... I feel like... I'm going to have a list of things from this book, and I don't really want to touch on it too much because that does teeter into, like, talking about the books that right. we haven't read yet. Um, but yeah, I choose to believe that the green man will Groot at some point. Okay. Especially because Loyal does sing his tree song to the tree, and the tree won't be corrupted by the blight. Right. 
So it's entirely possible that a thousand years from now, once the events of these 14 books are over, the Green Man will come back. I choose to believe that. Okay, totally valid. I need something out of this book. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time. Exactly. The Green Man could easily come back in like a thousand years. And I choose to believe that he does because nothing good happens in this section of the book. And I need no. something good to happen at the end of this even, book. Even like the triumph is bad. Yeah, because it doesn't end well for Rand. No. We'll, we'll get to We'll that. get there. There's, some, there's still some important things to get Cover, to. Before we get to the big... Yeah. The big thing. Um. So at the Green get, Man's house... They get to the eye of the world, which he does not want to go near. No. Um, he's, it's always made him feel uneasy. He wasn't really supposed to be guarding it to begin with, but whoever was creating the eye of the world... Asked him. Asked him to, because he was the only thing around that could possibly... Right. ...protect it, and they were all gonna die. So the eye of the world is like, it seems like it's a pool? Yeah. So it's like a pool of energy? Yeah. And that energy is pure sighting? Yes. Pure, oh. untainted sighting. That's what I... I thought and i guess that makes sense of why there's no more pool once once the, the battle thing, is done once the thing happens um so they're like looking at it and rand is really unsettled by it after a bit they kind of all once they they're realize uns- that it's all once they realize what it is they're all like oh fuck yeah which is uh, kind of weird because the point is made that it's pure untainted sidine and they're still like shit this is evil yeah i think that's just a that is that, it, it could be the result of like thousands of years of being told that Sidney right. is bad. It's, it's a prejudice against it, yeah. basically. Um, so they're like heading back out and they're going to make a plan. And then, hello, there's Forsaken here. And they were guided to them by Matt's blade. Yup, Matt's dagger strikes again, unfortunately. So the Forsaken in question here are Agenor and Balthamel, both of which are some interesting people. But Balthamel dies. Balth- but they both die. Well, yeah, but Balthamel dies first, which is yeah. why I didn't even bother writing down his name because that's fair the green man kills him and then the green man fucking brutalizes him basically yeah it's kind of awesome balthamel lights him on fire from the inside yep and then the green man just walks over and is like you're plants now and plants erupt out of balthamel's body yep which is a fucking brutal way to kill someone yeah for a man who was not 15 minutes ago probably making flower crowns and just (laughs) la-di-da-di-daing around his little... Like, uber-druid. Yeah, he was just, like, uber-druid, and then all of a sudden, like, bam, mushrooms. <laughs> mushrooms coming out of your face. Mushrooms. <laughs> coming out of my face. Breathing. <laughs> it's bad. Thank you. <laughs> Balthamel goes down quick, but not before he has a chance to kind of fuck up Lan, Rand a little bit, Nynaeve, and Egwene. In a very short amount of time, Balthamel... Yeah, so fucks he, he fucks Lan up, Lan up, and then is like, no, my love, and then charges at him, which is just a bad idea. Nynaeve. Um, Nynaeve. Got hit. Nynaeve officially got hit with the idiot stick. She I don't did. think she had gotten hit by the idiot stick at all this novel. No. This was the moment she got hit by the idiot stick. Yeah. Um, like, one of 13, like, magic Hitlers is staring you in the face, and you charge him? Right. Um. So she charges him, and then gets... Like and then Egwene tries to charge at him too, and Lan or Matt Rand does too. Matt, Matt and Rand both. No, Rand doesn't charge at him. He charges at Egwene oh, right. to try to get her to stop. He like tackles Egwene, <laughs> which I mean, good. 
That's that's Raymond not he's... getting hit with the idiot stick. Yeah, and he's shouting at Matt and Perrin to not attack this guy. Rand kept his hat on. And then Till things get Maureen weird. and then Maureen is like, Run everyone, I'll hold him off. No, she won't. No, she won't. They are much more powerful than Moraine. For context, the most powerful channeler in history was Luz Theron Telon, the dragon. Agenor is slightly below Luz Theron. So Moraine, kind of like an average strength modern day Aes Sedai, is so far below Agenor. Yeah. Even Balthamel is just much, much stronger. Yeah. And she she holds him off a little bit. A little. But not, not, much. not much. And she she gets pretty pretty beat up. Because Rand is running, and then he's, tr- he's trying to find a way to do it, and he's like, no, I gotta turn around, because there's a cliff. And then Agonor's right behind him. And this is where things get confusing for me. Yes. This, listening to, I had not read the summary that we read from Dragon Mountain today, so that did actually answer some of my yes. questions. That was helpful. Um, but, yeah, so Rand steals a golden cord. This is how my understanding of it is. So that Rand steals a golden cord that's coming off of Agonor, and then he ends up in a battlefield, and then he goes into a door and sees Balsamon. Yep. Then Nynaeve, Egwene, and his mother appear. Yep. But then Nynaeve and Egwene disappear. Yep. And then he kills Balsamon? Question mark? It's heavily implied he didn't. After. After. But in that moment... He thinks he He has. thinks he killed Balsamon. And <laughs> Moraine's like, mm, probably not. Um. So here, there's a lot in this. Like, It's like ten pages, and there's almost as much stuff as there is in the rest of the book in these ten pages. Right. Because then he, like, he ends up... He goes with Balsamon, he, like, says some stuff to Balsamon, like, continuing to deny him the recurring theme of the book. But then he has a sword, but it's made of light. Yep. Which I'm thinking is the sword that's not a sword. Sure. Is that a yes or a no? It's a sure. You confirmed the other weird men's auras. It's a, it's a read and find out. Okay. So, thinking that might be the sword that's not a sword from the men's creepy aura readings. Yep. As we've been calling them. Um, yeah. And he, like, does he cut, Balsamon has a cord too, but it's black. black. Yeah. Does he cut the cord and that's what kills him, or does he just straight up stab Balsamon? He does both. Okay. He cuts that black cord running from Balsamon to somewhere, and... You probably shouldn't cut that cord. I mean, not if you're Balsamon. What do you think the cord is? I don't know. Because the if summary confirms... If it's tethering him to... I thought it was, like, tethering him to his prison, so if you cut the cord, then he's no longer tethered to his prison. But he's still stuck in the prison so what was the cord i don't know this is one of the weird things okay i i honestly am not entirely sure i i think the cord is a connection between balls on appearing in the real world and the prison okay one of the things that the eye of the world is a seal in the dark one's prison it's broken but clearly the dark one isn't free yet he's just more able to touch the world now was that seal broken by what Rand does? It was already broken. It was already broken when they put it in there. No. Okay, so it broke somehow inside the eye of the world. Yeah. Before the events of this book. Yeah. Or well, I mean it might have broken during the events, but it, how it breaks is not a not really important, just that it is broken. We we'll get to the, <laughs> the okay. dark one. So, uh let's let's start breaking this down by Lan versus Agador. Does not go well. It doesn't go well because what we learn here is Rand can in fact channel. Uh the the like gold white line running from Agonor is Agonor's connection to the eye of the world. Rand taps into that and starts using 
siding somewhat unconsciously. He's really just holding it. He's not doing anything with it until the end when he makes a sword of light. But Agenor fucks up here and draws in too much because it's a massive amount of it. And Agenor basically volcanoes himself. Okay, so that golden thing, it appeared out of nowhere, right? Like, it was that, it's that golden cord wasn't always there. So the golden cord appearing was that him drawing off of the eye of the world? Yeah. Okay. And I kind of don't get why Agenor was. Maybe it's just a, a just you know a bunch of power. I, I don't entirely understand why Agenor is drawing off the Eye of the World. It's weird. The Eye of the World is weird. Yeah. But Agenor basically ta- he, he volcanoes himself. He takes in too much and then burns. After the battle, when Rand is back where he was, there was just ashes from Agenor burning. And it should be noted, Agenor and Balthamal here are both kind of disfigured from their time being sealed. They know that they were sealed more closely to the actual real passage of time than the rest of the Forsaken. Although they do mention one Ishamael who might also be free. So Balthamel is like basically like human leather. We've heard Ishamael before. Yes, he's the betrayer of hope from the very beginning. Okay. And I, I, there might be a handful of other mentions. He's, he's a big Forsaken. But Balthamel's basically like human leather. He's got a mask on because his face is just entirely disfigured he's lost his tongue to rot he basically just like makes gurgling noises and laughs it's a good thing he died quick yeah agonor is like a super 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 old man (coughs) and yeah it's it's odd they're weird they're not good people no agonor burns and then rand is transported to the battle at tarwin's gap which Shinar is fighting. And Rand has kind of a kind of a breakdown there. He wants to stop the fight, but something is telling him no. Yeah, I was really confused. So he ends up at the Battle of Tarwin's Gate. That's what that is. Yeah. And then I was confused about that too. So It's also a little weird. I forgot what happened already because I was confused. He basically shows up in the middle of the battlefield and all the darkspawn there are like, oh, let's kill him. And he... So is he actually there? He's kind of there and not there at the same time. Like I said, things get things do get real weird here. I think he's I think he is there. I, he's just not experiencing things the same as other people do at this point. Okay. But the dark spawns start to attack, uh, like they start to like come down on him, and he brings down a bunch of lightning and opens a ravine. Okay. And like annihilates the dark spawn army. Yep. Because later, when they're back in Faldara, uh, Lord Egelmar is like the creator helped us win that fight. Okay. That's what's that's what he's referring to there. Rand showing up and okay annihilating an army yeah so like definitely rand can channel definitely rand can channel after that balsamon shows up and is like we're gonna talk now and you're gonna serve me and he's like no he's like no and he summons images of people he loves and he summons an image of carrie althor his rand's mother that he didn't that he didn't know and tortures her well it seems like he kind of says that like she i've been torturing her and she's serving me Right. She's been serving me since her death. Right. And Rand is like, nah. For once. Free my mom. For once, Rand is also kind of like, nah, you're lying. Yeah. Like, come on. You should have gotten that way earlier. Yeah. Then he cuts that black cord, which I think is just Balsamon's connection to the Dark One. They're kind of the same thing, but like the Dark One's bigger than just one person. Okay. Like I one, thought like, Balsamon just was the Dark One. Sort of. Because later when Rand uses the Dark One's real name. Moraine's which... like, no, don't do that. Yeah. How did he learn that? It's just kind of known. Oh, okay. So is it kind of like everyone knows it's Voldemort, but they call him? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was that or if it was like he somehow learned the real name and 
like it's like no one knows who the real name is. No, everyone knows the dark one is Shaitan. Okay. You're just not supposed to say it because that's supposed to draw his attention. And Moraine tells him not to because she's not convinced he's dead. Right. He thinks that he is. I mean, with pretty good reason. Cutting that cord seemed to really hurt him. And then he got stabbed with a sword of light. Right. Which is the kind of thing that ends big bads. Yeah. Um, So then he thinks he killed Balsman. Goes back, Agnor's dead. Yep. He finds Moraine and Nynaeve and Egwene, and they all know somehow that he channeled the One Power. I think he tells he tells no, he, Moraine when it seemed like to me when he showed up, they already knew. Oh, yeah, that's enti- that's also entirely possible. Um, and then Egwene is like, "Oh God, I'm terrified," but also I've decided I don't care. Like within like a couple seconds yeah, of it, sort of. It it definitely seems to go back and forth rapidly. Yeah. The other weird thing about that is, it seems like he lost his memory. He got hit real hard. Cause, but his like his, the way he the way his inner monologue I pace just... was changed, like his verbiage changed, and like he called Egwene the girl with like it seemed like he forgot who Egwene was. I think that's just. It just, uh, that that might just while. be clunky writing here. Or, like, that's a difficult thing to write. I think he just got hit. He got hit so hard that he was knocked back and knocked unconscious for a while. It seemed like he was an entirely different person in this. Okay. Like, like he lost his memory and lo- therefore lost his personality for a bit. Okay. Which could be, it could be that he lost his memory and or lost his touch with himself in the... I don't, that's a weird way Maybe. to say that, but like lost his... Channeling Sidene does make you go mad. Although I I would think that actually Rand channeling here didn't hurt him. I don't think so. And I think it's because... He's channeling pure, pure untainted Sidene. Right. From the eye of the world. Um, And he used it up. Yeah, it's gone. But yeah, so they go through the one power and Moraine says that she realized that he could ch- probably channel when all the way back at the beginning when they were on the run and Bella when Queen Bella the creator <laughs> um, didn't need any help or didn't need her exhaustion waved because it had already been right. waved. She wasn't just great although she is. Rand had actually been so desperate in that moment that to make sure that Egwene didn't fall behind. Right. That he was the one who wiped away Bella's There was another thing that Maureen identified as why she thought it might be Rand, which is that Rand was more resistant to her sort of kind of suggestions through the coin. Matt and Perrin were like, okay, let's let's go. You know, we're just going to go. But Rand was always like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And something about being in contact with the One Power, as we've established, gives Rand some extra, like, mental abilities. Yeah, he seems to have some extra stuff going on. And Nynaeve is kind of like, I'm wary of you. Like, you're still Rand, but you're also terrifying. Nynaeve backs up and she's like visibly recoils from him yeah and she does say like you are still ran from the two rivers but also you're terrifying but also you're a future volcano yeah and Egwene's like ah scared ah I love you ah scared yeah. ah I love you back and forth which like fair honestly yeah. like he's a future volcano he's a future volcano the last the last we, we've known four men who can channel character wise Two of them have been forsaken, so they don't count. One of them is Rand, who has, at this point, has only channeled pure Sidene. Or, well, he's only knowingly channeled pure Sidene. Clearly, he's channeled tainted Sidene before. Yeah. And the other one is Luz Theron Kinslayer, who killed his family and turned into a volcano. And, um... Owen. And Loghain. Loghain, too. 
I, there were a lot more men who could channel in this book than I thought there were. But all of them have been dangerous, except for Ellen. Yeah. Who is just kind of a kid. But all of them have been dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then Rand says something about not being used as a false dragon, and I don't understand who he's talking... He seems like he's targeting that at Moraine. Like, Moraine, I won't let you... I think you is... Moraine is just kind of a stand-in for the Amaralyn Sea, all Aes Sedai. What does he think they're going to do? Be like, oh, this is a dragon, and then kill him? Like, is that what... I, I'm confused at... They're, he thinks that they're going to use him to further their goals, whatever they may be. They're Aes Sedai. They have kind of inscrutable goals. And then capture and gentle him, which is, you know, supposed to basically, like, take the, the color out of life. Yeah. He doesn't want that. No. Um, which, fair. Yeah, fair. But she says that they're basically... She basically says they're not going to. She says, she's not and then she says that lan knows but matt and perrin don't don't and won't until the pattern decides which is just kind of like which is moraine saying it happens yeah (laughs) okay and one thing that i think cements lan's uh status as a god amongst men is he doesn't act any different rand thinks that lan is the only person for whom rand's ability to channel changes nothing about the way lan sees him yeah which like yeah he doesn't he doesn't act out, he doesn't, you know, there's a moment where he's like, he doesn't act outwardly any different to me, but also I don't think it changed anything inside his head either. Right, and we get a little bit later where Rand is actually training with a sword and Lan's just like, do what you do what you want to do, but if you want to learn how to use that sword, you'll stay with me. Yeah. But like, okay, yeah, go yeah. Lan. Lan's just... Lan is a a god amongst men. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be bothered by men having strange powers. No. Because he, he, he wasn't poetry. He was fine with Perrin being a wolf brother. He doesn't mind that Rand is a child of the dragon and can channel and is probably the dragon reborn. Um, Who knows what else? What other surprises Lan has in store? He's a man of mystery. He's poetry. I love Lan. Lan's great. Except I'm mad at him too. But I also love him. I, mean, I just want him to have happiness. <laughs> I'm mad at him for getting in the way of his own happiness. That's fair. Which is how I always feel at about the 75 to 85% mark of a romance novel. You're in for a ride. <laughs> it's going to take so much longer. And I think You're that was why I took, that's why I had to put the book down and recover emotionally from that line because if I had read that line in a romance novel, I know by the end of the book they're going to get together. Not here. Not here. I don't know when it's going to happen. No, you don't. No. Um so everyone comes out and the eye they say like the eye is gone and they're coming they come out with three things. Yes. Um, um, Matt is holding some broken pottery. Loyal has a giant golden chest that only he would be able to carry. Not even Lan can do that. Lan's nope. not that great. No, Lan is not loyal. a ten foot tall Ogier. Which I guess is more Taviran moment that they needed someone strong enough to carry. I mean, they the could have just taken chest. the thing out of the chest. They could have. The yeah. golden chest is cool. It's true. Um, and then a white banner. Yep. The pottery ends up being. I'm not gonna pronounce that. Quindy are right. sure. Heartstone. Um, which was one of the seven seals in the Dark One's prison yep. that we mentioned was broken. Yep. They they do the reason why it's weird that it was broken is. Quendiar is supposed to be unbreakable. Nothing breaks it. Everything you throw at it only makes it stronger, including the one power. You, it, it's just immune to damage, and it's broken. So it's like, okay, this is real. How did it break? Did we never find out? Do we find out how it broke? More or less. Okay. Because I, like, if you have an unbreakable material, I need to know how it broke. Like, yeah. that's just a question uh, that I need answers mm, to by the end of the 14 books. More or less we figure out why it's broken. Okay. Uh, the golden chest has the horn of Valir. <laughs> 
fucking insane artifact. Yeah, which again, it's like there's a whole bunch of lore around it. It's kind of like um, like the chalice. Like, is it in the sense of like the chalice? Not the chalice. Um, like the Last Supper chalice that people no. don't know if it exists or not. Well, yeah, okay, in that sense, yes, it's definitely like, like the Holy Grail. It's like the Holy Grail. Thank you. Yeah, it seems like the Horn of Valir is like the Holy Grail, right? And that people aren't sure it exists. There's a whole bunch of lore around it. People keep people, going and searching for yeah, it. There's the great hunt for the horn. Yeah, in Ilian, which is where they end up wanting to take it. Yes. And uh, basically what the Horn of Valir does, thanks thanks to Lord Egomar, who provides some exposition at the end, uh, the Horn summons dead heroes to fight for the person who, who blew the Horn. Cool. There's a whole bunch. We learn a lot more about the Horn. Sounds a little creepy. It is, but also it's kind of like good ghosts. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then the banner that they find is Luz Theron's personal banner, the Banner of the Dragon, which has like a yin-yang symbol and a dragon, like a Chinese-style red dragon across it. Which, yikes, nothing good comes out of this eye. I mean, plenty of good comes out of this eye. The Horn of Valir is like an amazing artifact. Yeah, but like, it's just overall, the things they find in the eye they, of the world are not great. They're cause... left in a much worse situation, I feel. Like, it feels like they're in a better situation, because like, yeah, they beat Balsamon, and the, the Blight was driven back, but Rand is basically, basically has to exile himself. Yeah, so we get there, um, like we mentioned, Loyal sings a song to protect the green man's tree grave which yep. was great um it seems like the blight is recovering because when they're traveling Somewhat. through it's a little less decayed than it was before and then the blight was pushed back a bit and now spring is happening and they get to faldara where they find out that there was a victory at tarwin's gap yep. because of because rand because just of rand. annihilated an army um they are going to bring the horn to Ilion and rand decides that he's going to go off on his own. Yep. He tells Egwene this. Because Egwene's yep. trying to convince him to go to Tarvalin. Maybe they can teach him. Even though Moraine has already said, I can't teach you because I only know how to channel Sidir. Yeah. So she, I can't... Yeah, she's only able to channel Sidar. And she compares it to, like, a bird teaching a fish to fly. Yeah. Like, like just, it just doesn't work. They're similar, but not similar enough to where one can teach the other. Um. And apparently Ma Maureen was eavesdropping on that conversation the stone that she, she wears like a like a diadem basically and that stone doesn't do anything it's just a trick she picked up so she was eavesdropping on that conversation and which because at the very end she like has a moment where she's like the dragon has been reborn yeah and she thinks it's rand yeah i am inclined to agree with her totally fair just even like taking aside the fact that he's the main character in a book mm -hmm. um he has been able to channel yep. he was called the child of the dragon there's just a whole lot of dragon around him yeah um he's one of these three boys that keeps getting messages from the dark one yep. and when he um when he was having some of his dreams Balsamon recited all these names of previous false dragons false dragons and he recited it to all three of them but that's because he didn't know which one was the was the dragon reborn yeah. I think Balsamon was on the hunt for the dragon reborn and he picked that it was one of these three boys that's a fair assumption and if he thinks that it's one of these three boys it's probably the one who can channel yeah 
lose Theron, the dragon could channel. Yep, and then he turned into a volcano. Then he turned into a volcano. Mr. Volcano Man himself. So yeah, I yeah. think I think that Rand is probably the dragon. We'll find out. Yeah. There's a lot more books. It won't take that long to get a definitive answer. I hope not. I hope we get one by next book. Pretty sure we do. Cool. Um, so that was this section. Since we've done the whole book, is there anything from the book as a whole that we should talk about? Um, probably. Probably. I think you had mentioned that we didn't talk a lot about the flame and the void. I yeah. think that's going to end up being more of a thing. I think there are lots of questions that I still have, I think is how, where I might want to take. It's a book of questions. Where I might want to take this. It's, and knowing that it's a 14 book series, I know that hopefully Robert Jordan's editor and later Brandon Sanderson's editor went through all these 14 books and wrote down the questions that arised during the 14 books and made sure there was a resolution to all those questions by the end of the 14 books. Most questions have resolutions. Because that was something I learned. I was taking a master class with Dan Brown. He said one thing that I do and my editor does in my books is I every time something gets brought up, we write it down. And mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I've answered that question by the end of the book. Yeah. This is a series, so you don't have to answer it by the end of the book. No. But I have several questions that I hope get resolved at some point. Okay. We need to figure out what Tam's situation is. Yep. Um, why he has the hair and blade, hair and marked sword. Mm -hmm. How he learned about the flame and the void. Rand's mother. Rand's mother. Could she channel? Good question. Um, does Rand's Tam... mother carry or his birth mother? Because you're fairly convinced that he wasn't born to Tam and Carrie Althor. Right. Um, so the figuring out who Rand's parents are. Because Carrie Althor was an outlander, but they were already married when they found Rand. Yeah, he came back with Carrie and Rand. So, yeah, figuring out that whole storyline. Okay. Haven't quite figured that out yet. We have kind of outstanding stuff that we hopefully learn more about. I, I, I will neither confirm nor deny if we do. Uh, the Warder Bond has been kind of a question that we've had. Yes, the Warder Bond I've had, I have questions on. Perrin's wolf abilities which, I mean, seem pretty straightforward, but... There, and there really are some explored. unresolved things, like Tom is unresolved. Is he dead? Is he not dead? Right. Who can say? Um, I can say. There are a lot of characters that were introduced that I just have questions on, like, yeah. you know, and we'll get into that a little bit when we go into my predictions for the next book of, yep. like, what I think is going to be answered more immediately. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think just, I don't think we've seen the last of Tam. I think that's one of the bigger points from the beginning of the book that we stopped talking about because it wasn't really they left the two rivers and they left the there. two rivers yeah but rand needs to figure out what his deal is he really does um he is conflicted and i think that's part of i think he's gonna go try to figure that out but okay i oh. think that's my biggest thing from the beginning of the book is that to bring back to remind yeah I think myself and you all I think out something there. else outlying is the deal with matt's dagger he still has it it's clearly leading forsaken to them which is bad. Yes. How is that going to get dealt with? And I think that we can go into the book two predictions from there is that I don't know that Rand is going to get his dagger bond severed in Tarvalin in the next book. Okay. I It seems like it would be a little too neat. Sure. Or at least it's going to take a hell of a lot longer than I think it's going to and it, the dagger is going to cause more problems for them. It is a really convenient problem. It is. Writing wise. Yeah, it draws it's like, evil oh, things like, to well, them. crap. Like, I need, the, I need a reason for the Forsaken to be able to get into the green man's home. Ah, oh, Matt's got this creepy dagger. Yep. Just literally, like, that and Taviran 
yeah, can explain Tiberian. a whole lot of stuff. They really can. Even if they didn't have the dagger, it could be, well, you're it's three Taviran. Yeah. Um, We're real old and know how to do things with the power. I don't think that Moraine is going to let Rand out of her grasp, despite what Rand thinks. Because when he's talking to Egwene, and Egwene's like, but why are you going to leave? And Rand's like, she doesn't even notice I'm alive anymore. I've served I've served I've served her purpose. She's not gonna notice if I leave. I'm sorry, you're a man who can channel. She's not letting you out of her sight. No. Like, what part of your history together do you think that Morange is gonna let you go off on your own? Yeah. They literally sent hundreds of Red Aja to go capture Logain. Not hundreds, just a bunch. I don't think there are hundreds. Well, I sent a bunch yeah. to go hunt Logain. They're gonna do the same to you. Maureen's not going to keep the fact that you can channel a secret. You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. Like, she might for a bit, but she doesn't necessarily... Like, there is nothing about how men channeling in this universe... There's nothing in that history for men channeling that would make Maureen think, oh, maybe he's different. No. It's like, just because... She's like, you are Taviran, so maybe there's... And, like, maybe if he was trained and just hung around the eye of the world for a long time and was able to only ever draw on pure sighting, but it got used up and he's untrained. Right. I don't... Yeah, so I don't think she's gonna let him go. Somehow, even if Moraine doesn't tell anyone that he can channel, Rand is dumb. Rand is dumb. He's also Taviran. He's also Taviran. Someone's gonna find out. And even if he wasn't dumb, he's still Taviran. And two, he's gonna get more channeling sickness. He's gonna accidentally channel, and then he's gonna get channeling sickness again. Maybe. It does go away. Like, Moraine doesn't get channeling sickness anymore. Because she learned how to channel it. Remember what she was saying to Nynaeve and Egwene is that if you don't learn how to channel, eventually the time period between you channeling and getting channeling sickness gets shorter and shorter until you die. Right, except Nynaeve has been through that, and now if Nynaeve manages to channel somehow, she's still untrained. She doesn't, she can channel unconsciously without getting channeling sickness. She's been through it. It's one of those things where like it either kills you or it doesn't. And I don't necessarily know that it wouldn't, we don't know that it wouldn't possibly do that to Rand. That's true. But even if he does manage to get past it, he's gonna get channeling sickness again because he continues to... I think he might be done with channeling sickness now. Maybe. I think... But if he does, if he's not, I don't know that I don't think that he is. Maybe that last bit at the eye of the world was like his final channeling sickness thing he does throw up pretty immediately yeah he throws up and he he loses his memory for a little bit but i still think that's from getting rocked probably by Bosman. but um, he's gonna get channeling sickness again and he do something dumb to draw attention to himself it, it is rand it's rand he's gonna he he doesn't like climb the idiot tree as often as matt does but he does sometimes walk into it and speaking of rand channeling I think we've talked about, like, the several times that, like, now that we know we can channel. Yeah. There are three specific times he channels in this book. One we get confirmed by Maureen is that the Bella thing. Bella. The, I can already, like, I already guessed one of them, which was the lightning hitting very specifically. But thinking about, like, the times, like, if you just extrapolate for times that Rand was really dumb and it didn't seem, and it seemed to come out of nowhere, you can figure... If you backtrack from that moment, yeah. you can figure out when Rand channeled. Yeah. So I think there is one that is very easy to miss, though. Which is that's what I, that's why I had to like in my thought process of um, trying to figure out when else he channeled in this book. I was like, all right, well, when was Rand really dumb? When he was on the boat and he's just climbing up on the rafters and swinging around like a dumbass. Yep. So he probably channeled somehow before, like. 
He channeled quickly b- or before then, and I think it was probably when the boom just yeah. came and like smacked someone off the bed. Easy to miss because it could literally just be someone let go of a rope on accident because Trollocs were attacking, right? And it caused a boom to go off. But that weird circumstance happening combined with the fact that he was acting recklessly, yeah. And he gets channeling sickness after all three times he channels. After Bella, he's kind of crazy in Berlon after that's when he has board. the white cloaks thing yeah after he boards the spray he is very reckless on climbing the like rigging and after he makes lightning he literally falls sick yeah and I think the other two times they were such small channelings is why which was why he probably just had bouts of recklessness but the lightning is pretty big yeah so it makes sense that he falls ill this time yeah for sure do you have any other book two predictions I I have a Um, question on one of your predictions but we'll get to that so I want there to be land in my naive resolution, but I don't think it's going to happen. I actually more have a lot of things that I don't think are going to happen in book two than yeah. I do actual book two predictions. That's fair. Um, so the question I have about your book two predictions is, do you, you so you don't think that Matt's going to have his dagger problem solved in The Great Hunt. Do you think he will ever have it solved? I hope so. Okay. Is he just periodically going to have to come in for like evil dialysis? I hope he doesn't have to come in for evil chemo. Yeah, that'd be very inconvenient for him. Right. Um, But yeah, I think he will at some point, but it's not going to be like... I would be sorely disappointed if in the beginning of the next book they get to Tarvalin and they're just like, okay, you're healed now. Especially with how long it took them to get to fucking Camelin. Right. Like, if he gets healed of his uh, dagger bond before we hit the halfway point of the Great Hunt, I think I'm going to be disappointed. Okay. I think he. I think it would have been like rushing that storyline. Totally fair. Um, my other actual prediction is that we are probably going to see Elaine and Gawain in the next book. Okay. And that goes along with I don't think Maureen's going to let Rand out of her grasp. So okay. Rand's going to end up going to Tarvalin, and he's going to see Elaine and Gawain again. Okay. Um, that is where they're headed. That's because that's where Elaine and Gawain are headed. Um, yeah. And I think that's like if. Rand is the dragon. I think that's where, like, him meeting with Logan would be how it gets confirmed. Like, I can see, like, because Logan's going to Tarvalin with Elaine and Gawain. Yep. Um. So yeah, like, if Rand is indeed the dragon reborn, how I think he is, I feel like he's gonna end up going to Tarvalin. He's gonna end up going to Tarvalin, and it would make sense that meeting Logan is how they figure that out. Okay. Which cool. is how I also think that him being the dragon reborn is not going to stay a secret to just Moraine. Sure. Um. Because if he's in Tarvalin, the other eyes that I are gonna find out that he can channel. Yeah. The, He's going to do something. Something is going to happen. Or maybe they can just read it on him now. Maybe. He's like... There, There is the, the Red Aja uh, dedicates themselves to hunting down men who can channel, and maybe they have ways of detecting it. And Moraine was able to sense that Egwene and Nynaeve both were able to channel, and she didn't watch them channel. She just right. sensed it about she, them. She notably could not sense it about Rand, though. She could only guess. Well, he hadn't channeled yet. Egwene hadn't. Hadn't she? No. Hmm. Not at that point. When was the first time Egwene channeled then? Uh, I think she channeled briefly when Maureen was giving her, like, minor, minor lessons. She, like, okay, so that, that was the first time that she yeah. channeled. She didn't accidentally channel. Right. Which is maybe how she was able to avoid channeling sickness. She hadn't channeled yet. And Maureen was guiding her. Yeah, so that's how she was I also to... think maybe Maureen, or maybe Egwene was going through some channeling sickness, because she gets kind of, like, irrationally angry at Rand at, at one point. Like, in Berylon, she, like, is, like, right on the border of having 
good points and just kind of like kind of doing what Rand was doing which was like being a little crazy yeah. about the same time and it's about the same time frame and she wasn't doing it as much which I think is why it maybe goes unnoticed because it's not that far out of what she would do but she definitely is quicker to anger with Rand in Barallon than she is for the rest of the series that's fair I, I don't I don't know if that's a confirmed thing or not. That's just maybe my guess. Yeah. And then I feel like it might not happen in this next book, but we haven't seen the last of Tom or Elias. Okay. I don't think Tom is dead. No one thinks Tom is dead no besides Rand and Matt. Yeah. Which they have pretty good reason to think. They did think they watched him possibly die. Most people can't take a fade. But the logic behind, I mean, the innkeeper that doesn't think Tom is dead, that could just be, he's my friend, I don't think he's dead. Yeah. But Moraine has an actual logical reason as to why she thinks that Tom isn't dead. Yeah. And that if the fade had killed him, the people in Whitebridge would have been talking about it. That's true. Although they were kind of being weirdly suspicious of outsiders. They were, but... I understand her logic, and I yeah. tend to agree. That's fair. She's a very logical So we haven't person. seen the last of Tom. Elias is alive, and I don't think that the point of him being a, previously being a warder would have been brought up if we were never going to see him again. Okay. It just, you could have just let him be the wolf yeah. guy. Yeah, that's true. Why give him that storyline and not bring him back up again? Yeah. Um, and same with Tam. It's like Tam's got too much interesting backstory to let it go. Right. We are going to see him again. Very fair. And I think all of those are interesting predictions. I, I can't say whether or not they're good because that might that might lead you to believe some things over some other things that may or may not happen in a very carefully crafted sentence. Yeah. So that that was this is book one. We're done. Um, we're done with. We're done with the book. Yep. So we can go into our recurring segments. Weird prophetic aura. I think that Rand's light sword was probably the sword that isn't a sword. But I have a question mark next to that because it hasn't been like okay confirmed. Yeah. And there are so many things that uh, that could mean a sword is not a, the sword that's not a sword. Maybe it's not just one thing either. Although could... I feel like then it would be multiple swords that aren't swords. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So that is that. Yeah. Uh. Final ship updates for the book. Final standings. Lan and Nynaeve. Yep. Officially a ship. Officially. In the book and for you, I think. I officially ship it. Yep. I do wonder about how the warder bond between him and Moraine is going to play into that I too. can confirm we learn a lot more about the warder bond. In the next book? I don't know if it's in the next book or not. But we just learn a lot we more about it. We do learn a lot more about the warder bond. And then I think I'm falling into the Perrin and Egwene camp. Okay. I, I remember that from our previous discussions. And it yep. kind of falls by the wayside with the ending of the book. Well, there's but some things going on. There's some things going on. And I think that like... Like, especially if Rand is going off on his own, like, and he knows that him and Egwene aren't meant to be together because of the weird prophetic aura dreams. Yep. Yeah, I'm feeling the parent and Egwene. I'm not like, I like, I ship it. I'm not like, oh my god, I ship it. Okay. It's like, I enjoy the ship. I, yeah. I would like it to happen. Sure. If it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be devastated. Sure. Um, And I hope that Rand gets to see Elaine again. It was a fun interaction. There's a potential ship there. Okay, cool. So uh, our last recurring segment, we usually do favorite moments. This time we're going to do it in two. We're going to have favorite moments for this section and then for the whole book. What was your favorite moment from this section? Or moments? Um, I think from this section, Loyal saying that he might head back to the steading and never leave again if traveling with this group gets any more exciting. Yeah. But then he also, he like, he cracks his smile and he's like, good to see you again, Rand. Like, it was just 
Yeah. Loyal's Loyal's great. great. Um, Loyal is, we have Lan, a god amongst men, and Loyal is a god amongst Ogier, even though you haven't had any other Ogier. And then the green man making the women flower crowns. Just kind of idly, while talking. Just wholesome. Yeah. Like, it's one of those, that's, I think, and I really like that about the book in general, is that there are those little moments spread throughout. Yeah. And they might be easy to miss if you're not taking your time reading, like we have, but they still, like, you wouldn't remember them if you weren't taking 10 episodes to talk about it. Yeah. But they do provide those levity moments that just stick in your brain. It's the little things it's that like, kind of like cut through the, the like you, dire circumstances yeah, of Yeah, you thing. won't remember them individually, but you'll remember but there were light moments to counteract the dark and I like that about this book. Right. Like, Especially with how it ends with Rand uh, being, a, you know, Rand's kind of impending madness and him yeah. going off on his own and, you know, things don't end in a particularly great place for the characters even though it feels like it maybe ends in a great place for the world. But, and even besides like just I'm talking like light moments throughout the book right. you might not remember what they were specifically but you'll remember that they were there yeah like and Rand, this is one of those Rand keeps getting scarves yeah that's, that's a fun. fun and like people keep helping him by right. giving him a thing to and not like a not like food or like shelter or anything but like a thing to keep him warm I think yeah. has a lot uh, it has a different meaning to it so from this section what is your favorite I moment? I really only have one and that's just kind of because like the whole thing melds together for me and my favorite moment is Loyal Tree singing at the end okay yeah he clearly has a lot of respect for the green man yeah as somebody who has a, a large amount of control around plant life and so Loyal singing to make him this one spot in the blight to be his resting place that won't fall to him and it I takes like him it. a long time too it does and he's like exhausted after yeah he's sweating and he's like I've never sung that much before it's nice yeah. For the whole book, I think my favorite moment is just the quote of Lan is like an onion. Because it just encompasses Lan, and I think he's my yep. favorite part of this book. Your favorite moment is Lan. My favorite moment is Lan. Yep. Okay. Very fair. That's great. <laughs> Lan is a god amongst men. My favorite moment is Rand falling into the, the Andoran palace and hitting every branch on the idiot tree on the way down. <laughs> it's great. It introduces us to Elaine and Gawain. It introduces us to so many yeah. interesting characters. Even just in the short interaction that we have, there's a lot going on there. and It's, it's really interesting and I just, I like it. Good. It's a good, it's a good moment. Yeah. So this was episode 10, the last episode of this season. We're doing something a little different. Dallas. Do you want yes. to explain? So we will be back in one month with season two, The Great Hunt. However, we will still be uploading an episode in two weeks. Since I am reading something that Will has never read before, we thought it would be fun as a break in between seasons to give me a bit of a break with this book so that I can just take a breather before diving in with the next one. We thought it would be fun to have him read a book that I've read before. And as I've mentioned, I basically just read romance novels, which means that Will is going to be reading a romance novel. And not just any romance novel, but my favorite romance novel and the New York Times best-selling novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Yep. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Sure. <laughs> I don't really have any opinion on it, but sure. You talk about it enough, it'll be nice to know what's going on. Yep. Uh, so we will be back in two weeks with that, and I hope you join us. Bye. Bye. <laughs>